Welcome to the Inspired Teacher's Guide podcast. We are Kim Wilkins and Laura Woldridge, just two teachers trying to podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us. Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Happy days. Um, We're back today with a special guest, another special guest, Mm -hmm. to teach us about a topic that we've been learning about. Before we get started, let's think about what we talked about last week. I wasn't with you, Laura. I missed you really bad. Thank you. Thank Um, you. So last week, I just shared some simple resources that you can listen to. And when I was reflecting on it, I just was thinking how important it is that we keep on growing, no matter how many years or days we have in the classroom. It's so important to keep on growing. It's true. Oh, it's so true. At Williams, when I I taught at the university level, our mission statement was that we will create teachers who are intentional, reflective, and growing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think that's so important to instill in our younger teachers, but also in our veteran teachers. It is. I think also we need to remember that it's not always comfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Growth is not, it's not an easy process. And and discomfort, that's where the that's where the magic starts to happen. And so yeah. I think we have to lean into that. Mm-hmm. And really think about, you know, Renee's word, refraction, being mm-hmm. reflective on what we're learning and then acting upon it. Yes, so. I think so too. Well, since I didn't get to share mine because I was sick, mm-hmm. I, I'll just tell you a couple that I love. Um I noticed when I started looking back through mine, Laura, that I have a lot of foodies, <laughs> tons of recipes and it's important. and designers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of designers. I look at lots of really neat designers. But for inspiration, my favorite ones, my favorite three, I think, are Brene Brown and Mel Robbins. I love her so much. She reminds me of my mom. Oh, she's so uh, straight. She shoots it straight. And I think that's why I love her so much. She just doesn't pull any bunches. Yeah, and then can. I love Bob Goff. Oh, yes. If I could ever get to meet a human being in this world, I think that is has remained steady and inspirational to me. It's Bob Goff. I know he won't ever listen to this. I've asked him to come on, but he, he, hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't accepted. Where's he thinks I'm probably stalking him, but he is just the things he's done and, and, gone out on a limb to, to make a difference in the world are just great, great things. And I, I really like them. So those three people keep me thinking positively. Mm-hmm. Listeners, Kim and I are really shooting for the stars. We're asking all kinds of people <laughs> to come on the podcast, like Jeff Anderson and David oh. Thomas and Bob Goff and surely someday. I mean, someday. So I know Jeff Anderson's out there just wanting to talk to us. We are best friends at heart. <laughs> We are. I need to send him that picture that I had taken with him where I said, hey, would you put your arm around me and pretend like we're friends? <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and remind him that I was the girl that he would stop and say, do not have this baby in my workshop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Having a baby. And he'd be like, yes. do not have the baby. Do not do it. I want to say one more thing about last time. So one more thing about last week is 
podcast, if you're not a podcast listener, I mean, you are because you're listening to this, but if you're, if you're not really branching out into podcasts, I highly encourage you to do that because you can listen to them in the car. You can listen to them while you're uh, doing laundry or dishes. And there's just so many out there that can help you become a better teacher in all areas. Like a lot of the ones I shared aren't necessarily content teaching, but it's that SEL, that whole teacher kind of thing. Um, but one content and um, one content and uh, pedagogy podcast that I did not mention is the 10 minute teacher podcast. Those are just short, quick little um, episodes that you can listen to. And so I thought I would add that on there before we get started. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's move on to today's episode. It's another one that we have about the practice of co-teaching. We want to better learn how to use co-teaching to support our students with learning differences. All right, and to help us learn about this topic, further learn about this topic, we have a guest. My drum roll is not working. Okay, so I'll just do a... um, drum roll for you. Listeners, our sound is not working. I don't know why. That's why you didn't have intro music. So we're about to do our guest and you are going to get Laura's drum roll to introduce this guest. So to help us learn about co-teaching, to help us learn more about it, we have a guest. (laughs) Our guest is Debbie Fleming. Yes, we have Debbie. Debbie. Debbie, we're so glad you're with us. She uh, was working in our school today, Laura, with our teachers um, in co-teaching, and she agreed to sit down and have a little chat with us. Oh, I'm so thankful. Listeners, you're going to love her. I I got to talk to Debbie to invite her on the podcast, and we ended up talking for about an hour just having fun (laughs) together. So (laughs) I think you'll enjoy it. Hey, Debbie, why don't you um, share a little bit of your background and your experience with our listeners so they get to know you? Okay, that's perfect. Well, first of all, let me say thank you to both of you. Um, This is indeed a treat for me and a first for me. I'll have to admit I've been very nervous all day about it, (laughs) but uh, I appreciate so much. Number one, you inviting me, and number two, um, trying to make sure that people do know about co-teaching. So I'm old. I've been around for a long time. I said, you know, I could have retired several years ago, Um, but I started out as a kindergarten teacher and taught kindergarten for for quite a few years. And then I moved up to high school and was a family and consumer science teacher and taught there for several years. Um, Into that in fourth grade, um, I've taught a lot of most of the the classes, most of the grades between kindergarten and, and 12th grade. Ended up in fourth grade and from fourth grade became a literacy specialist for South Central Co-op in South Arkansas. Was a literacy specialist there for several years and then moved to the State Department. Uh, Moving to the State Department, I was the State Literacy and Math Coordinator for SPDIG, State Personnel Development Grant, where I spent about six, seven, eight years there and then moved into co-teaching. I would go with the director of the co-teaching project when she would do trainings and uh, when we would, she would model station teaching, I was one of the stations. And so I would either talk about literacy or math and fell in love with co-teaching. And so when the opportunity uh, was presented to me um, to join the co-teaching project, I did. And so I became a specialist with the Arkansas Co-Teaching Project, stayed there for several years until the director retired, and I'm now the director of the Arkansas Co-Teaching Project. 
Well, that's exciting. I experience. You, you do. You've done it all, girl. Well, I've been around. Like I said, I've been around for a long time. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you've been around the block a couple times, too. Okay. So, Debbie, let's talk about um, co-teaching. <laughs> How would you best explain co-teaching first to teachers and then to parents and stakeholders? So, it's your first meeting with a group of teachers. How do you lay that out? Oh, that's a very good question. Number one, um, people think co-teaching, it's just two people. You put two people in the classroom and they co-teach. Um, but it's so much more than that because we are talking about students who learn differently and being able to give them what they need along with their peers. So co-teaching um, is a normally a general education teacher and a special education teacher teaching together in a general education classroom with a general education curriculum offering that curriculum, grade level curriculum to all students. Uh, we have students, um, gifted and talented students. We have ELL students mm -hmm. and we have students, as you said, who learn differently. Um, and so those two teachers um, both teach all students. So the special educator is teaching all students in the classroom and the general education teacher is teaching all students in the classroom. So it's more than just two teachers in a classroom. Uh, it's both of them joining together and teaching all students. To um, a parent or a stakeholder, I would carry that a little bit more or forward to be able to say that it's more than academics in a co-taught classroom. As you said, the special emotional learning, it's allowing those students with disabilities or who learn differently, it's allowing them to have um, peer models. Mm -hmm. uh, often when they have been segregated and sent far away, you know, it used to be in the middle building behind the, the main building. Yes. Um, when, when they have the opportunity to um, be involved with their peers, we see things like High school students, as, as we say, are high school students being invited to sit with, with their peers at a pep rally? Mm. Um, you know, something that broke my heart, but it made me feel so good, too, is we had a parent of about a second or third grader. And she said for the first time, her son was being invited to birthday parties. Oh. I know. Because, I mean, when they had been separated, when they've been isolated down the hall or, or whatever in a room, oh then, yeah, then they didn't know the other kids in their class. Mm -hmm. And so this is, there's so much, as, as I said, social, emotional learning that goes on as well as academic. Mm -hmm. So oh, okay. it's good. And, you know, there's also a benefit for those students without disabilities Yes, because, you know, it teaches them compassion. Um, it allows them to see students who maybe learn differently or mm -hmm. who act differently. And so, yeah, it, it's mm -hmm. good for all students. Of course, it's a blessing for those co-teachers. Yeah, sure. that's beautiful. It is. It is. Yeah. So what is the most important thing, Debbie, you think that we should understand if you like it rising to the top, the most important thing that we should understand about a co-taught classroom? Well, I think one of the things that um, is most important is that the students see both of the co-teachers as their teacher. Mm. They don't see the general education teacher being their, their teacher and the special education co-teacher coming in to help those students who learn differently. Right. They are both co-teachers, equal parity. I mean, and part of the definition of co-teaching is that they are two licensed professionals um, and, and they are equal. 
that special educator went to college just to learn something different than the general education did. You know, we say the general education co-teacher is the content expert and the special educator is the strategies expert. Mm -hmm. So they both have college degrees. Um, They're just in different areas. Mm -hmm. So um, the most important thing, I think, is for the students to see them as equal and for those co-teachers to feel equal. Yeah. A lot of times we have... um, I don't want to say issues, but I'm going to say issues mm-hmm. with the general education co-teacher going into that general education classroom and feeling like an aide, mm-hmm. feeling like just an assistant. What can I do to help you not help the kids and the okay. students? And so it's it's important not only for the students to be able to see um, both co-teachers as their teacher, but that both of the co-teachers actually do feel like they're both the, the teachers. There's parity there. Yeah. And then it's important for the parents to see that they're both co-teachers. So mm-hmm. when a, a note is sent home from the teachers to the to the uh, parents, that is signed by both of the co-teachers. That when a call needs to be made from home, that they go into the lounge, they sit down, they turn the speaker on, and they make that phone call together. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the the special education co-teacher calls the parents of those students who do learn differently, and the general education teacher gets to, gets to make all the other phone calls. Wow. Um, it's that they do that together, that everyone sees them as a partnership. We, we call it a co-teaching partnership. And so it's important that everybody, all of the stakeholders, the parents, the um, administrator, everybody in the school, as well as the students, see mm-hmm. them as a partnership working together for the good of all the students in the class. This is something that just came to my mind when you were talking is um, I've worked in a school before where co-teaching was activated and the special ed teacher did not enter the picture until like the second week of school. Mm-hmm. And administrators, if you're listening, they need to be in there from second one because mm-hmm. then it's already establishing in the student's mind that this person is, you know, additional or something like that and not the teacher. That's an excellent point. And one of the things that we do or that we ask our co-teachers to do is a lot of it is about a relationship that is formed between those two co-teachers. And so we stress to the co-teachers on the first day of school, you go and you stand in front of the students together and you introduce yourself as you, we are your teachers and it's not my classroom and your classroom. It's not my students and your students. It's our classroom. It's our students. And we're both going to be your teachers this year. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to see any difference between one and the other. How do do administrators then Mm -hmm. and school leaders support these Mm co-teachers in this journey, I guess? Absolutely. If you're going to have successful co-teaching, you have to have an administrator who's behind you. Yeah. An administrator who believes in co-teaching and will do what's necessary to make sure it's successful. Mm-hmm. And so to be successful, uh, one of the main things, and I think we'll probably talk about this in a minute, but one of the main things is allowing those those two co-teachers to have time to plan together. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we say is if a general education co-teacher does all the planning and the special educator has no idea of what's going on in that classroom, the special educator walks in when it's time to start the class and says, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And the general educator often, if 
has not had that that full support from the administrator will say, um, I don't know, um, just go sit with Johnny or, yeah. or oh, can you go run these papers off or, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. An and, but when they plan together, that special educator doesn't have to ask when they walk in the door, what do you want me to do today? Because they plan together and that special educator knows exactly what his or her role is, uh, what the responsibilities will be. And if there's anything needed, they bring that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that classroom then becomes the, um, again, when, when the co-teachers are teaching together, it's their classroom. And so that special educator, when, when he or she comes in, everything's already there for them. That's, they have a place in that classroom. And it's important that they have a place because if the students see that they have a place in that classroom, that they belong in that classroom, that both names are outside the door. So when they come in, they see both names outside the door. Then they know it is a co-taught classroom and they have two teachers. And it's easy just to explain it that way. Yeah. It's just, it's a class with two teachers. There's really no reason to, right. to know that, that one's a, a special educator, one's a general educator. Mm-hmm. It's just two teachers teaching a group of students with diverse needs. We are your teachers. That's right. They're they're my teachers. Mm -hmm. How long typically is the special education teacher in the classroom with the gen ed teacher? Yeah. And so we go to law and what's best for the students. So, uh, of course, the law says that they're there, um, that the special educator is there the length of time that he or she is... um, supposed to provide services according to the IEP. Gotcha. And so if the IEP says that, uh, you know, the special educator should be in that co-taught class for 30 minutes a day, that's what meets the law. Okay. We say best practice is that that general, that special educator can be in there for that entire class period. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that we say is if the class period is a 45 minute class period and the special educator is in there for 30 minutes. What happens to the 15 minutes mm-hmm. when he or she leaves? That's exactly right. And so again, the law is that, that they're there for the time that the IEP designates, but we say best practice would be if they could stay in there for the entire class mm-hmm. period. And we yeah. know sometimes that is not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, smaller schools, especially um, it's not possible. And mm-hmm. they have to jump in and Time jump wise. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, through creative planning, a lot of times administrators yeah. can make it happen. I'm just doing so much thinking because I'm in schools that are smaller and bigger and kind of spread out. And I see co-teaching, you know, just like all all initiatives coming through or learning practices coming through at different phases of implementation. So listeners, I just want to encourage you, if you are implementing inclusion with co-teaching and you're thinking, oh, this is not the way we're doing it. This is coming out in December. You can do an amazing reset in January and, and, you know, start this process, put both of those names out and kind of start doing this. But you need to really be putting some ideas for in your pocket for August of next year to really you have a new batch of students. And Kim and I always say they don't know what you did last year. So it's (laughs) they don't have a clue. So, you know, you can. No matter what, you need to implement now, you know, your learning, but really be thinking about how can you make co-teaching even better next year? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm thinking about the planning time. Mm-hmm. So how how do you get that started 
And what would that look like? Okay. So, of course, the the best scenario would be that the two co-teachers could plan together every day. Mm. But that's not going to happen. I mean, schedules, I always say that the hardest job a principal has is creating oh. schedules. And oh. it would be nice. To, it would be nice if if the co-teaching partnership could have a, a common planning time. But it's hard. I want to tell you a funny story, Debbie. So okay. Kim and I worked a little elementary school together. And the principal was like, can you help me with the master schedule? And I'm sure I take it home. I get it all done. It's a maybe six grades are in the building. And I'm like, this was so much easier than I thought. And I realized half the sixth graders didn't have lunch. (laughs) And when I gave all the sixth graders lunch, it totally messed it up. So much. Oh, bless these master schedules. It's the hardest job they have. And and I say that in front of administrators and they'll shake their head. And and they're trying to please all of the, all of their staff and they can't. You know, this one wants the, the, her planning period to be first thing in the morning. This one wants her to be last in the afternoon. This one wants it combined with her lunch. And you just can't do that when you have a, a, a big staff. It's really hard. I've done master schedules and you have, you have to make sure that there's common planning time and there's chunks of instructional time. And, and then they have to have all their pullout classes and they have to eat lunch or else they go home hungry. <laughs> They go tell their mom, I didn't yeah, get to eat today. I didn't eat today. They don't let me eat Sorry. on Thursday. Sure, I don't get to eat lunch. <laughs> I love it, though. To me, it's like a puzzle. It is oh, a puzzle. And I just, I love doing it. I mean, that I, I always do it on a spreadsheet. I always do it out on a spreadsheet. Um, and, and, you know, when you start talking about your students who learn differently, and I'm so glad you said it that way, we, we, we do not say special education students. No. We mm. do say students with, with disabilities, but mm-hmm. students who learn differently mm-hmm. is a more appropriate way to say it. Um. But it's a lot of times when you start pulling in, we ask you to to schedule your students who learn differently first. Yes. And then fill in. So a lot of times we'll use post-it notes mm-hmm. and, and we'll put the names on the post-it notes and, and the, their needs. And then, yeah, we maneuver those post-it notes around and then it's easy to, to put the others in. Mm-hmm. We have one school that does that part manually and then they let, a program come in and fill in mm-hmm. with the rest of it. That's, That's good. Yeah. 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 Then you make sure you're meeting the needs of the of the children who have the most needs. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they need, you know, when you you and again, there's no rule or reg about regulation about how many students with disabilities or who learn differently uh, can be in a co-talk class. We say best practice is no more than a third. Okay. So when you think, yeah, when you think of a class of eighteen, then no more than six should be a student who learns differently. And that could include ELL. That could include <clears throat> um, behavior issues, uh, those that own behavioral plans. So you just have to think of all of those into one. Okay. But I want to go back and answer your question okay. about the planning. How do you do it? So, again, it would be nice to be have it every day. But um, in, in the world that we live in now, we have PLCs. We have, we have so many things that that teachers are pulled out for. So what we ask for is one time a week, one class period a week, the co-teachers have the ability to, to plan face-to-face. Okay. And then what we suggest is to have an online document, a shared online okay. Google document, whatever, you know, OneDrive, whatever, a, a shared document. And because the general educator is the content expert, he or she holds the curriculum guide, knows the standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he or she then would decide what was going to be taught that week. Okay. And, and we have a document that we share with our, with our co-teachers, but um, it's where they, they put like what the standard, what standard they'll be covering, kind of what the, the theme of the lesson will be. And maybe resources, maybe go ahead and put page numbers in the math book mm -hmm. or uh, some kind of resource that they're going to be using, a video that they know is appropriate for what they're going to be teaching each day of the week. And then anytime they want to, this is not where you sit down and have to do this like an hour. You're going to do this for an hour. And then, you know, tomorrow you're going to do it for another hour in the afternoon. It's just whenever the thought comes to you. Mm -hmm. So the gen ed teacher starts that. Then the special educator can come in at any point and see what's being taught. Special educator is the one who puts in the accommodations that must be met. Oh, that's good. Those specially designed instructional strategies that must be met because that's that's that person's expertise. Mm -hmm. So based on what you're going to be teaching that week, the accommodations that um, that would apply to what's being taught. Gotcha. Uh, let's say if there's a, a reading disability and you're not reading, then that accommodation doesn't need to be listed. So mm -hmm. it's the accommodations that need to be listed based on what for that particular yes, Exactly. So if a special educator is also letting the general educator know exactly what needs to be done in the classroom for those students that, that do learn differently. And then when they have that time to come together, that one time a week, then they decide how they're going to do the lesson. We have six instructional formats. What format they will use? How will they assess the students to see if they got what they were supposed to get, formatively assess them? Uh, what kind of strategies will they use? So they plan all of that together. And so if you do all of the pre-planning on a shared document, when mm -hmm. you come together for that hour, it, it just falls into place and you can plan a whole week and maybe even, you know, two or three weeks. Right. Because if you have it truly, truly planned, kind of out. absolutely, mm -hmm. it just falls into place. And sometimes the lesson will determine what format you're going to use. And you don't even have to talk about that one. Mm -hmm. It just makes huh. it so much easier. and and um. It's planned yeah. and it's co-planned. It's both of those teachers using their expertise to plan the lesson that will best meet the needs for every student in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned six. Six instructional, instructional formats. formats. Why don't you speak about okay. that? So we use the formats um, that were first used by Dr. Marilyn Friend and years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's nothing better. Well, there is one better. I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Marilyn Friend one day. <laughs> so the first one is one teach, one assist. And that's where one of the co-teachers is instructing the students. The other is circulating around the room, assisting students as needed. Now, that role has to change. Mm -hmm. It has to change often. Yeah. There is nothing said that a, a special educator can present content. Mm -hmm. I watched the class today. And I mean, I, if you walked in, you would not know which one was the general educator. Oh, that's which great. One, yeah. And that's, that's at my school. That, and that's <laughs> at your school. Uh, and, and that's what we want. Mm -hmm. And so for the students and for anyone walking in, that, again, it's just their two teachers. So one is instructing and one is assisting, switching those roles often. The second one is one teach, one observe, and it's where you're collecting data or data, okay. however you want to say it. I say data. It's collecting data. So one is instructing and the other is collecting data. It could be um, engagement. It's whatever you need to collect data on. If you're doing, if you're getting ready for an RTI meeting, it's, it's collecting data for that. Mm -hmm. If it's an IEP meeting, uh, you're collecting data for that. And what, what data you're collecting will drive 
who's doing the collection. Okay. So there's a purpose in that. There is a, a definite purpose. The purpose is to make, to plan future lessons. Absolutely. Okay. And it's going to be something, it's, it's short. It's not all period. It's, let's say if you do want to look at student engagement, if you realize you're losing students and you want to see where you're losing them, you might do a two minute at the beginning of the class period, in the middle of the classroom, take, in the middle of class period, take another, you know, really quick little data collection. And then maybe at the end and see where you're missing, where you're losing them, what's happening when you lose them. The important thing is you're going to collect it, do something with it. Okay. Don't just collect it and put it on a shelf. Yes. So the next one is, um, and again, those worlds change often too. Okay. Um, Even within a class period, you could do one teach, one assist, and it could flip flop. Right. Oh, you you can do probably all six in one class period. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most of the class periods will start with one teach, one assist just because of the nature of what you do. Mm-hmm. You're, you're checking role, you're doing whatever. So one is, is primarily talking with the students, getting that done while the other maybe is doing some, some like checking role, lunch count, that kind of thing. Um, so the third one is uh, parallel. And parallel is where you have a division of the class. And we say as close to an equal division of the class. So one of the co-teachers takes half of the class. The other one takes the other half of the class. And you're teaching the same lesson to the same level of understanding. It might be done in a little bit different way. It might be um, my co-teaching partner is auditory. I'm visual. So maybe if I'm teaching, I I choose to teach the general, I mean, the uh, students who have visual, who learn visually, and she may be teaching those that learn auditorily. So -hmm. you're teaching the same lesson, but it might be in a little bit different way. Okay. Uh, to the same level of understanding. And so when you come back together as a group, you have the same understanding of what was taught in that parallel group. Students will face, well, we always say face the students away from each other mm-hmm. and the co-teacher toward each other so that they can see, they can give signals if they need to. But yet the two uh, sections of the students, um, they're not facing each other, so they're not playing with each other and, and doing whatever. And this is not students with special needs on this side. And oh, gender. no, ma'am. Yes. No, ma'am. Yes. No, ma'am. It is, yeah, it is never, ever isolating the students <laughs> with disabilities or learn differently from those who don't. Okay. So, yeah, it would be a, a blend. I mean, it, it depends. You could just say, okay, let's divide the class in half. Here, this class, this half, <laughs> you go, you know, you go here. This half, you go here. So it could be that. It could be uh, a one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. It okay. can be whatever, you know, however you want to do it. But if you are doing it based on data, then you will do it, you know, ahead of time and mm-hmm. you'll know exactly who's going with what group. All right. But so that's, now, parallel. that's parallel. And in that, both of the co-teachers have to be comfortable with content. Mm-hmm. Oh, so sometimes important. your special educator does not feel as comfortable with the content. So it has to be that that format has to be used when they feel comfortable with content. Yeah. Fourth one is station teaching. Okay. Um, I saw it twice today. You did? I did. I did. What it was grade? Great. Third grade. Okay. Third grade. Both of them were in third grade. Um, so station teaching is where there is a rotation. You have different stations and in parallel, you're teaching the same content. In stations, you're teaching different content around a central theme, but still different content, all having the same, you know, again, the same thing. But in each of the stations, something different is happening. 
And it has to be almost like a standalone station because you're going to have students starting in each of each of the stations. Mm -hmm. We normally think of each teacher leading a station and then having an independent station. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be. It can be just two stations. Mm -hmm. It can be six stations, whatever the the teachers feel they can handle. Um, I always say, if you want to see good co-teaching, go to a kindergarten, I mean, good station teaching, go to a kindergarten classroom because Mm -hmm. kindergarten teachers can teach those kindergarten, those five-year-olds how to move through a lot of stations. Mm -hmm. So that's that one. Um, We use timers. We, We say the most important thing is teaching the students the routine. Yeah. Uh, how to move. What do we say, Laura? Routines and procedures. That's exactly right. I mean, if yeah. that's not down, that's right. None that's of right. that works. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They have to know that when that timer goes off, they wait for a, well, a cue, you know, some say stand up and wait for the teacher to send you and the teacher will say session rotation, please, or a countdown. One, do this. Two, do this. Three, move. And so they're all moving at the same time in the same direction, you know, so that there's no chaos. It, mm-hmm. It's very, it's very structured. Um, the fourth, that was the fourth. The fifth yes. is, uh, is team teaching. Team teaching is my favorite. Okay. And the reason it's my favorite is both of the co-teachers are involved in the instruction at the same time. So one may be explaining it while another one is demonstrating it. Oh, that's good. The mm-hmm. ways I, that, yeah, I love it because yeah. it's, um, it's using more than one modality. Mm-hmm. So auditory learners can listen to the one talking. Visual learners can watch the one who's demonstrating it. That's good. Um, it can be like um, a math problem and, and one teacher is um, is telling about it, explaining it, mm-hmm. while the other is maybe on an Elmo, yeah. either writing it out or, or demonstrating or it yeah, with manipulatives, mm-hmm. um, filling out if it's if – it's, um, Let's say literacy, where that's not, you're not using manipulatives. Maybe it's using a Venn diagram. Okay. And so one is using that Venn diagram while the other one explains and talks about how they're alike and how they're different. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, with this one, you got to make sure that that the teachers are comfortable with the content. Mm -hmm. Um, We always say this one takes the most planning and the most trust because you are both teaching basically the lesson. Mm -hmm. You're just teaching it in two different ways. Okay. So the sixth one is alternative teaching. And so alternative is where you pull a small group of students for a very short period of time and a very small group of students, three or four, um, for maybe six, eight minutes. And <clears throat> again, I, we love it when it's based on data that you did something yesterday, you had a formative assessment and you realized these three students did not get it. So you can pull those three students and into an alternative group. And you can do a little bit of a reteach. Okay. You know, maybe just clearing up some misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be right the opposite. You realize that the majority of the students did not get it, but these four did. So why should they have to sit through another explanation of it? Mm-hmm. So they, they're pulled and we do an extension. Um, sometimes we need to reteach. Um, so this in a little bit of this today where they talked about the vocabulary that they were going to be reading about. So it might be if you know that some students are going to struggle with the vocabulary, you do an alternative group, you pull them and you go over that that vocabulary prior to the lesson so that when they get in the group with the lesson, they already know what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's alternative. So we say it's either to pre-teach, reteach or extend. And once again, we have to change those roles Mm -hmm. and either 
either of those co-teachers are capable, you know, uh, the special educator, my special education partner always says, I can extend, <laughs> you know, I'm a special mm-hmm. education teacher, but I can extend. And so once again, we do not want one teacher to be identified as the person who always pulls the group. And Laura, I can see you already thinking mm-hmm. it's never, mm-hmm. ever, ever <laughs> just students who learn differently. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, when, when, yeah. when you pull an alternative group, you don't want those students to always say, Oh, it's, it's going to be me. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be again, based on data, which we would love for it to be based on data. And, um, you know, if it, if you see that it's just students who learn differently, just include another one or two yeah. that maybe struggle mm-hmm. who could benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Now I want to yeah. go back to team teaching because what we always hear is team teaching is when the two of the two co-teachers just go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I present and then Kim steps in and she presents a little bit and I present a little bit. And we just go back and forth that we call team teaching. I like the idea of people knowing that team teaching is both teachers teaching maybe in different ways. So I'm going to suggest to Dr. Marilyn friends, when I have the opportunity, <laughs> we want to add a seventh, we want to add a seventh for, uh, okay. yeah, instructional format. it's going to be collaborative teaching. Oh, yeah. I want to name it collaborative teaching. And that's where you are just, you know, kind of throwing it back and forth to each other. Lauren, I do that all the time. <laughs> well, then you're collaboratively, you're using a collaborative format. We do. So, of course, I'm not sure that she's going to take all of her years of research <laughs> and change just because I think so. Oh, <laughs> I bet she would appreciate well, your feet boots on the ground. Yeah. yeah. As you've yeah. been describing these models, I've been thinking about when Kim and I do workshops together. Mm-hmm. We do flow yeah, through. Absolutely. Right. And a lot of times co-teachers will do it and not even realize that they're yeah. doing that format. And now we have a name. You know, we, we, we give them a name mm-hmm. for what they're doing. Like, oh, I did yeah. that. That's yeah. what we do. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you go in lots of schools. Lots of times. Lots of schools. A lot of schools. <laughs> Tell us about some of the great successes you've seen with co-teaching. I think I mentioned the one about the behavioral. I mean, the... Um, uh, social emotional when when mm-hmm. you have a parent who says my child is oh. is you know is it's huge is getting invited to a birthday party or getting to invited to uh, a dance went to a one where it was homecoming and on the homecoming court there were two students oh yeah that's wonderful yeah, two students with disabilities or who learn differently yeah and that's full acceptance that's when you know you have an inclusive environment is when and actually in that school the students were the ones who voted. Oh, wonderful! And so, yeah, when when you see that there's no more division between students, that everybody it is inclusive. We mm-hmm. always talk about we know what it feels like to be excluded. We've all been excluded from something in mm-hmm. our lifetime, but when it's your life, mm-hmm. when it's for a parent, it's when they're it's their child's life. We often say. Consider those students, every student in your classroom, if it were your student, what would you want? If it were your child, child. what would you want? Or your grandchild, what would you want? And that's what we as teachers need to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, the biggest thing I think is the acceptance and then being able to see a student with disability in a co-taught class, we do not water things down. For yes, those students yes. who learn differently, they get the same content great. presented the same way. Now they have accommodations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but they the have access. They, they have access. That's exactly right. And when you see these students who have been isolated, who are getting this content and they're succeeding with it, 
You know, when, when you put the expectations high, a lot of times you're going to be really surprised at what the students will do for you. Yes. yes. They'll meet those expectations. And so a student who has never had the opportunity to experience success on that level to be able to finally yes. be able to. You're speaking to my heart right now. I'm a dyslexia therapist. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is my heart. I'm also the mother of two children uh-huh. who and three grandsons who have learning dis- yeah. disabilities and are dyslexic and dysgraphic, mm-hmm. dyscalculia, all the things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, knowing how frustrating that is for them and getting to think about being in a classroom where they feel that success is for a mama heart. That's a big deal. And for you, you know how to help your student, your, Mm -hmm. your children and your grandchildren, but for a parent who does not I know, and has to rely on the school and has to trust the school with their most prized possession. Absolutely. They give you their most prized possession Mm -hmm. and they say, please give me a productive citizen. That's right. And so when they have the opportunity to have those peers um, who they can model their behavior after those peers um, get to see what it's like. I mean, again, we, we, we don't, when you get out into the world world, there is no, as, as my co-teaching partner says, there's no uh, resource line in Walmart. No, <laughs> Everybody no, goes through the no. same line. So, um, yeah, it's it's we just have to remember that, um, you know, God made those students just a little bit different. Uh-huh. And um, I had a superintendent one time who used to say, Dr. Braden, his name was Dr. Braden. He passed away a few years ago. He used to say, they're sending us the best they've got. That's exactly they're not right. keeping the good ones at home. That's right. Right. They're sending us their best and we're mm-hmm. going to do the best we can do when we've got them. That's right. Kim has said that to a bunch of schools. I've been, I've listened to it. Uh, yeah. All yeah. right, Debbie, tell us like as you're observing and working with teachers and training them, what struggles are the most common with co-teaching? The most common is not having planning time. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is the one that we hear over and over and over again. Um, and their hands are kind of tied. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll hear the co-teachers say, well, we, we try to get together every Saturday morning. God bless oh, them. Oh, yeah. Because we never have time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we stay after school. Mm-hmm. Um, we come in early in the morning uh, just to try to get that time. Um, if they don't have that planning time, again, they're not going to be successful Mm-mm. because they're not going to know what's going on. And you can't go in at the last minute and, and feel like you have your resources that you need. Um, but if I'm going to teach a lesson, Let's say I'm a special educator and I'm going to teach a lesson and um, my general educator, uh, Kim, has said, okay, I'd like for you to teach this. Let's plan for you to teach this. But I don't even know what's needed. How can I come into the into the classroom prepared? Uh, and then probably the second biggest thing is not having administrative support. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest. And we see our biggest successes when it is when it's a team. Mm-hmm. And we do a year-long professional development that we do in partnership with Johns Hopkins University. And we know the research that they do. And we bring them together before school starts. And one of the things that's a non-negotiable for Johns Hopkins is the administrator has to come with that co-teaching partnership. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That we really want that administrator cool. here, everything that the co-teachers here to know exactly. And we always talk about the expectations for both. Mm-hmm. The expectations for the co-teachers and the expectations for the administrators. Well, buy-in is so important it for is. every, any initiative that you want to implement mm-hmm. in a school. If you don't have buy-in from everybody, 
then you're just setting yourself up for failure and, and wasting time and valuable resources. So yeah. And the life of kids and the life of kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard you say planning, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. administrative Mm buy-in, um, each teacher is a part of that classroom. Mm-hmm. That is their classroom. It's not her classroom. She's mm-hmm. coming in to help mm-hmm. or he. Mm-hmm. Um, those are three things that I hear you say mm-hmm. are tips. Mm-hmm. Do you have any others? Relationship. I'm, I'm going to say that without a relationship, um, you're going to struggle. Um, you don't have to be best friends. Uh, I've seen partnerships where I go in to observe and I think, oh my goodness, they are, they work so well together. And then we find out they can't stand each other. Uh, you know, um, we had, I, I tell this story and I, I tell him that I tell the story. Um, it was a new partnership and it was a man and a woman and, and young, uh, a young man and a young woman. And he took her out to lunch and he said, I don't, I don't want to talk anything school. I want to talk about you and mm-hmm. I want to be able to talk about me to you. And so he said, where did you go to college? You know, were you in a sorority? Uh, tell me how you, you know, how did you do? What class did you take that you absolutely hated? What class did you absolutely love? Um, how did you meet your husband? Tell me about getting pregnant with your first student, you know, your first child. Um, you know, was it easy to get pregnant? You know, was mm-hmm. it a struggle? And, and like wanted to be you your friend. to know everything yes. about them. And again, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to go out and eat together. Um, you know, you don't have to be socially, you know, best friends or even friends, Mm -hmm. but getting to know each other and getting to know, um, the little quirks that you have. Yeah. Um, you know, when I like it hot, you like it cold. Well, we need to come to an agreement on somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we always say, pick your battles. Uh, you know, what's important to you. If it's really important to you, you need to let your co-teacher know it's really important. Um, you know, when I stop by Sonic and I, I get my lemon slush, I want to get my co-teaching partner, Debbie Byers. I want to get her a Diet Coke because that's what Mm -hmm. she drinks. So it's knowing things like that and having that relationship before you ever walk into the classroom, Mm -hmm. knowing who's going to be responsible for what, having that time to talk and plan before you ever walk in that classroom. And then I think remembering to work on your relationship all throughout the year to to continue to develop develop that is very important to you. Yeah. It's bad when it's not a good relationship. Uh-huh. It's it's yeah. a struggle. Uh-huh. Um they don't want to be in the same classroom together. The kids see it. I mean, it's you know, oh. students can pick up on oh, it. Oh, they do. They mm-hmm. don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. They're right. And those kindergartners are maybe the smartest. <laughs> <laughs> they go home and tell their parents. I used to say when I taught kindergarten, I will believe half of what your your child comes in and tells me about you if you will believe half of what they go home and tell you about me. Oh. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Every time I see this grown man in town, I think, oh, what he said about his parents when I was in my internship. I still think about it every time I see him. I know. Okay, Debbie, I did, this is just on my heart because um, listeners, if you're not from Arkansas, just know that this is something that has become a mandate in Arkansas classrooms and teachers are um, at all levels of implementation. So um, what tips and encouragement can you tell to listeners who are realizing that maybe they're not really implementing co-teaching, but they're supposed to be. And what advice and tips do you have for them? And resources. So they're going to call me, <laughs> call email me, email me. Uh, so yeah, that's my job uh, is to help co-teachers co-teach effectively. Um, start out small, 
we always tell um, administrators when they say, okay, we just, we want to go all in. We want every, we don't want resource classes. We believe in the continuum. Mm-hmm. We believe in the full continuum. Um, and then start small. Maybe start with, um, let's say that you're, um, I'll just use this one, a, a three, six building. Uh, start out maybe with a fourth grade, if you've never co-taught before. Start out with the fourth grade literacy and maybe a fifth grade math. I mean, start small okay. and and learn how to co-teach and then become a classroom that other others can come and watch. Yeah. Um, and so then slowly implement it till you have full implementation. And not every class is going to be co-taught. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we always we have people who say administrators who say, OK, I have this really good co-teaching partnership. Should I now put the gen ed co-teacher with another special ed and put the special ed with another gen ed? And we say, no, do not do that. Mm-hmm. Leave that strong partnership together and let them be the resource for those new okay. co-teachers. Let them be able to go in and see what good co-teaching looks like. We are on a mission. We have we have a website, arcoteaching.com, and we are on a mission this year to get um, more videos mm-hmm. because the videos that we have of the six instructional formats on our website are third and fourth grade classrooms. Okay. And they're old. We know that. And so we've got some really good recording equipment and that's our mission this year is to record. That's great. Kindergarten through 12th grade. Cause teachers need to see it. Absolutely. They need and to that's see what, what they that say. should look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I do. Yeah. As a yeah. Teacher. So we have a lot of resources on our, on our website and um, we'll put that in the notes. Okay. Arcoteaching.com. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And feel free to share. My email address. Okay. I would love we for them to yeah. that. Yeah. We, we, I had two, two messages today for schools that are asking us to come in. What if it's in Kentucky? You know, <laughs> if it's in Kentucky, um, maybe you can you have to take a personal day <laughs> and you have to pay me to come. You have to pay my flight and things. Um, yeah. but yeah, I yeah, mean, I've been be told, awesome. yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be speaking at the national, um, CEC conference That's with great. Johns Hopkins in March. So this is your uh, girl. So yeah, call me. Yeah. Call. yeah. Or don't call. Well, yeah, you can call, call me. Call her. Email. <laughs> yeah. Get in touch with her. Yeah. Email me. I mean, my information's She's on my signature line. So experience. Yeah. 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 That's I awesome. This is, this has been great. It yeah. has. You know, yeah. I think for both of you. Um, it's very important to me that co-teaching be done right mm-hmm. yes. because when it's not done right, what happens is uh, a teacher will say, well, we tried co-teaching it and it work. didn't work. Right. Or a parent will say, oh, no, my, my child was in a co-taught classroom. It was not good. Yes. And so it's very important to me and to the Arkansas Co-Teaching Project that co-teaching is done right. So professional mm-hmm. development. Yes. Support. So. Mm-hmm. So we do professional development in the summers in the co-ops. We do um, any co-op that'll let us come. Um, we normally are in uh, most of the co-ops. And it's, you said it's a one-year commitment. Well, no, that's the Johns Hopkins. That's the that, Johns yeah, Hopkins. That, that's okay. different. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's a big thing. That's and a big deal. So, yeah. So, but for any school, I mean, literally, you can make one call me. I mean, literally, email me today, and 
she's I need you and and she's a uh, special education supervisor for two schools okay and so she said can we get you to come and do a training so we do a three-day training I mean a three-hour training we do a six-hour training I have a partner we mimic what we ask our co-teachers to do so okay. I'm the gen ed side of our partnership and my special education co-teacher is not oh, able to be with us but it. yeah so we we present together and okay. um, yeah, so we have a, like I said, a three hour presentation. Uh, then we have a six hour presentation. And if they don't like for us to come, you know, travel, travel expenses and everything for small groups. But if you have a big enough group, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're doing, we're going into schools and the, the administrators give us a day and we go in and train their co-teachers. Now, one of the neat things we did here at this school is we did a couple during the summer and then came back in the fall for the ones that, that were not here. So I think we pretty much have, have trained a big majority yeah. of the teachers. They said we yeah. have to get the Debbies. <laughs> so we got the Debbies. We wanted the Debbies. So, yeah. And then, again, <laughs> uh, like today, um, and we do this too, they'll invite us to come in the classroom and say, we just come in and sit mm -hmm. and observe. Yeah. And just, you know, work with our teachers, tell them, you know, ways we'll, we are not evaluative in any way. We will never come in and tell you what you're doing is wrong. Lauren, I don't either. Or this is the way that you're supposed to do it. We will come in with suggestions. Mm -hmm. We will say, how could you, how could you do, make this lesson a parallel lesson? Yeah. You know, how could you make this? Stations is the most effective. Parallel is the second most effective. Okay. And it's because we reduce that. We, we lower the student teacher ratio. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are the most effective and sometimes the hardest for co-teachers to learn to do so yeah it thrilled my heart when the third grade teachers i'm like you're station teaching That's and they're great. like yeah, yeah, we have some so, great teachers over yeah, here you do yeah, you really do. do i've seen some great We're things very, today very fortunate yeah, yeah. listeners i encourage you if you've not listened to um our other episode about co-teaching with jade jade second grade mcdaniel mm -hmm. she, yeah and so she um, you know, Debbie is giving this huge overview of it, and Jay can give you a, a teacher who is actively co-teaching. She can give you that perspective. So, yeah. Um, yeah, when we talked to Jade, we were like, we have to talk to Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm yeah. so glad that you reached out, Debbie, yes. because I thoroughly enjoyed this. We were tickled. Uh, and how uh, great is it that it worked out you were going to be know. here? I know. Yeah, yeah. That was great. That was oh, yeah. fantastic. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, we're so glad. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listeners, we're glad you could join us today. Please be sure to care, share our podcast with other people. Mm. We know this is a topic that you're interested in, and we're all working to implement it, and we we're eager to learn more, and Debbie's helped us so much today. Yeah. And listeners, this is just a reminder that this is our last episode for 2024. So um, it's been a fun and learning experience, fun experience and a learning experience for Kim because we are literally two teachers trying to podcast. Yes. So thanks for sticking yes. with us in 2023. This is, I think, 25 episodes. So. Yep. Yes. Um, but we appreciate you for listening and we really want you to share this um share the podcast and this episode specifically with others and administrators and just getting the word out about how powerful co-teaching can be, mm -hmm. not only for your students, but for you as a professional. Absolutely. Uh, we're looking forward to 2024 and we have lots of great content headed your way. ADHD. <laughs> positions of behavior, and tons of other things. So get ready, friends. All right. Happy holidays, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.